And so embracing our shadows, it's about going, okay, I'm imperfect, which makes me human. And I'm just going to lovingly look at this stuff. I'm going to work out why do I people please? What is this about? You know, why do I do this? And how can I look at it compassionately and learn from it? And so often what we find, Andrew, is just simply parts of ourselves that are not loved enough, not cared for enough. And once we start to do that, we begin to shift things. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 386 with guest Julie Parker. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am so glad that you are here. It's funny, I got a message recently from a listener, a longtime listener who also happens to be one of my clients, and she said, you know, I'm gonna miss the old music. I'm gonna miss the old intro. And I I hadn't thought that anybody would. (laughs) I guess when you listen to a show for a while and you get used to the, the intro and the music and certain things, it becomes comforting and like home. And I've been so excited about this new iteration of the podcast and of myself and the evolving. I I sort of pushed it to the side that people would miss it. So if that's you, I hear you and I see you. And please find comfort that the change is all good. And I also very much appreciate that you have been with me for so long and that you like the show so much that you are going to miss the old music and the old intro. But anyway, I hope, I hope you like the new one. And we have a fantastic guest for you today. Julie Parker is a return guest. She's been on at least once, maybe twice. And I had all these questions prepared for Julie and when we recorded this a couple of weeks ago, it was right in the middle It was really in the thick of what was happening over with the whole Rachel Hollis debacle. And we hadn't planned on talking about it. In fact, I was a little bit weary of having two white, two privileged white women come on because there was also the topic of racism that was involved. And at any rate, we do end up talking about it a little bit because it was directly related to a question I had for Julie around leadership. So just giving you a heads up that we do sort of veer off into that. Uh, And if you missed it a couple of weeks ago, I put out a bonus episode that was originally a video that I had made for everyone who is an email subscriber of mine. And then I remember that a lot of you don't subscribe to my emails. And then I turned it into a podcast episode. So if you missed that, you might you might want to go back and and listen to that. Speaking of that whole situation that happened, I was minding my own business on TikTok, which I want to talk about in just a second. <laughs> and I was on the for you page 
which is uh, accounts that you don't necessarily follow will pop up. And there was a woman who came on and was talking about this Venn diagram that she was making. And it was super interesting. And I ended up going down a little bit of a rabbit hole and followed her on Instagram and then found out that she had a podcast episode. Her name is Kate Kennedy. Some of you might listen to her show. Her show is called Be There in Five. And she does deep dives on various pop culture topics, which I find fascinating. And she has two two-hour episodes on not just what happened with Rachel Hollis, but things that are connected. And I mean, this woman is so incredibly smart and thoughtful the way she puts her episodes together. Again, I've only listened to this one one show. I do recommend it. I'm going to drop that in the show notes. I have not listened to part two as I'm recording this. It just came out. And I only listened to, to part one. The reason that I'm very interested in this and that I am telling you about it is because it's something I've been thinking about. I started thinking about it, well, actually, I started thinking about it when I had a lot of questions around the teachings of the law of attraction, which I very much take what I want and leave the rest, and was questioning its validity and not just like, does it work, but there are problems. There are problems. I had questions and started to pull away from it, mostly because I felt like it doesn't take into account so many things like privilege. And, and there's so many, there's so much nuance to people's situations and circumstance and resources. You're the, you're, anyway, I won't get into that too much. But I started to question that, pulled away from the law of attraction, um, had one of my colleagues start talking about, you know, white women in the wellness industry and our responsibility. That was around 2015. And then really started to dive in around 2016. And the whole concept of toxic positivity and white feminism. And this is more or less what Kate is talking about. And and it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem that I have been a part of. And that I felt like it was kind of tapping me on the shoulder on the last over the last few years. And I want to make sure that I am doing what's right and that I am constantly checking myself in terms of not just what's helpful, but what could potentially be harmful. I'm still learning. And I'm often, well, I'm not often quiet. I am quiet when I really need to pull back and listen and do some research and tap in deep within myself and lean into my values and figure out what is the next right thing. My, My business values are courage, responsibility, and transparency. Hence, having this conversation with you right now. Yeah, I just felt like Kate's episode was in some ways pointing the finger at me and what I do more so in like the early, you know, you know, like 2011 through 2015 ish. And then I sort of I, I took a turn a little bit. But like I said, the main reason that I would encourage you to go listen to it, I think critical thinking is so important. It's so important. And learning to check in with yourself and ask yourself, 
Okay. Do I really feel empowered when I read this person's book or listen to this person's podcast? Uh, could I be empowered without any of this work? Am I feeling like there's something wrong with me or that I'm broken, even though this person or this company's promise is to make me feel better or teach me to how to feel better? I think that's critical in pop culture, in personal development, especially in personal development and the wellness industry. All right, that's enough about that. Let me tell you a little bit about Julie for those of you who don't know her. Julie Parker is the founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, where she passionately trains heart-centered people to become life coaches. As the co-founder of Priestess Temple School, a global movement devoted to uplifting modern-day priestesses as they explore sacred leadership and service Julie has inspired thousands of people as an on-demand speaker, sacred circle holder, priestess, and flower essence practitioner, and is the recipient of numerous leadership and women's awards. Host of the top-ranking Priestess podcast, Julie has interviewed some of the world's great spiritual thought leaders and has committed spiritual practice that honors her Celtic lineage, connection to the great mother and self. So without further ado, here is Julie. Julie Parker, welcome to the show. Oh, Andrea, thank you so much for having me on. I'm delighted to be back. My favorite Australian is back on the show. And you and I go so far back. Back, you were like my first Twitter friend when I was, so my kids were babies. And I was just so desperate for (laughs) friends. And and Twitter had had only been around for a short time. And I was making friends on the internets with strangers. And you were one of those people. And it's been a long time. And I so appreciate the work that you do in the world. And I'm so glad to have you on to to talk about your book and other things. And I want to jump directly into the deep end. Let's go ahead first. And... I want to talk about embracing your shadows because that's something that you like to discuss. So what does that mean, embracing your shadows? Yeah, well, I think that this is a very important area of our lives that we should talk about uh, more because of the intense and beautiful and rich benefits it brings to us. But a lot of us are a little bit afraid to do that. We all have a shadow and a lot of people talk about it in terms of it being our darker side, our fearful side, the side of us uh, that, you know, we like to keep hidden. And so it's a given then that we start to freak out about it, you know, as soon as we start to talk about it in those terms. But essentially our shadow is the parts of us that we don't necessarily like that much that we know hold us back, that keep us small, that challenge us deeply, and that we may therefore want to ignore or bury. So we keep it in the shadows. So what is but, can I can yeah. I ask you what an example would be? Like I'm thinking sure. of so in the in 12-step programs, there's a term called <laughs> oh um character defects is what it's called. Oh character defects. That's harsh. I know it's not my favorite. It for sure no. is not my favorite. And there's a lot of people who, who you know, choose to not use that language that are you know, still affiliated okay. with with AA. But anyway, and it's things like like for me when I worked on that step, mine are selfishness and entitlement. <laughs> and okay, and I, that's like my shadow side, and I I don't like that about me. And also when I see it in other people, I'm like, oh. But I think it's because. 
I do it too and have to be careful. So are those examples Mm -hmm. of of shadows? Absolutely. They are examples of shadows. And I would be one of those persons that would not use character defects. I think the word word defect is very harsh. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily go there. But those are two fantastic examples. um, You know, for me, one of the examples of my own shadow is at varying different times, uh, neediness. I can be a people pleaser and I can be quite needy for approval. And I recognize that that is a part of my shadow. It is a part of me that, you know, is not the the blooming, beautiful, positive, shining side, the sides of ourselves that we can own, uh, you know, with more confidence and love. But the thing is, is that these parts of ourselves that, we might keep in the shadows or don't like about ourselves are still there. We can ignore them all we want and we can deny that they don't exist, but that doesn't mean that they don't. And the more that we ignore them and we don't open up and look at them with love and compassion, the more that they will stay hidden in those shadows Mm -hmm. and the more that we'll never work with them and address them. And so embracing our shadows is about doing just that. It's about going, okay, I'm imperfect, which makes me human. And I'm just going to lovingly look at this stuff. I'm going to work out why do I people please? What is this about? You know, why do I do this? And how can I look at it compassionately and learn from it? And so often what we find, Andrew, is just simply parts of ourselves that are not loved enough, not cared for enough. And once we start to do that, we begin to shift things. I love that. So it sounds like you help people kind of settle in on a foundation of compassion and curiosity. And Mm -hmm. what is it? Can you give us an example of like, if you had a client where you were specifically working on this or you were working on it at a retreat, is there an exercise that you would have people do to sort of uncover and, and gain some insight from their shadows? Well, I think, I don't think there's one that sort of covers everything. Uh, it really does depend upon what somebody, you know, is is looking at. And I think that there are individual things that, you know, that different people do. But one of the ones I can share with you is uh, a lot of the uh, women that I work with sometimes hold in their shadow quite deeply a lot of comparisonitis. Mm-hmm a lot of comparing behaviours um, to others. And one of the, the exercises that I get them to do or explore is just simply journaling around that and getting them to write about, and this I find is often very powerful, what they consider the link to be between comparison comparisonitis, comparing themselves to others, and procrastination. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women look at me when I say that and go, well, they're two completely different things. They don't, they don't have anything to do with each other. And I go, no, I really want you to think about this and explore it deeper. And I've got some key questions. I don't have them with me right now. But basically, you know, to cut to the chase, what a lot of women that I work with find out in relation to that particular thing in their shadow is that comparing themselves constantly 
to other people, whether it be their body, their bank account, their business, um, is an absolutely magnificent form of procrastination. Because as long as they are doing that and more invested in the looking at the lives and businesses and careers and parenting of someone else, they then completely distract themselves from themselves. Mm-hmm. And it stops them in their tracks and they start to spin their wheels and they don't have to do as much or they can't do as much because of the time that they're investing there. And so that uncovers some fears about being in action and stepping forward and, you know, all of those sorts of things. It's not necessarily just a self-esteem thing. It's actually uh, an action that people engage in because it allows them to just be safe and to remain where they are. And so it becomes about busting out of that. That's an exhausting place to be in. I've been there. Mm-hmm. It, it can be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It can be for sure. Not easy. This work is not easy. Yes, it's it's exhausting. And it's it's one of those things too that I think happens so often in different areas of our lives. So, you know, if somebody whether she owns her own business and compares that to somebody else or works um, for a corporation and compares to, to her coworker or relationships is a big one. Body and appearance is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Art, parenting, you mentioned, it's just, it's never ending. And, and what I, I like to offer the same piece of advice actually is, is just, and you, you, threw out a bunch of questions too a few minutes ago that you know people can skip back and listen to those again and, and use those as journal prompts. And I just, I am obsessed with curiosity. It has saved me from so, <laughs> so many rabbit holes of negative self-talk. So instead of comparing myself to Julie Parker's business, I would stop and say like, I wonder why I feel the need to compare myself. I wonder, I wonder what stories I'm making up based on someone else's life about my own life. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. All the layers of things that we take on and that aren't even ours to own. And I completely agree with you, Andrea, that curiosity is one of the things that allows us as a human being to peel back those layers. Mm-hmm. It is underrated. Underrated it is. curiosity in our lives. It is. Yes. And it's it's one of those things too that in my experience, when you are more curious and just wonder rather than coming to conclusions and making up stories about things and, and beating yourself up, that it takes the attachment out of it. It's just like I had a one of my trainers when I was um, at the Coaches Training Institute many years ago, they they said, they used the metaphor of, of going into your walk-in closet or your regular closet with a flashlight and it's totally dark and you're peeking in all the pockets. Like, what are you going to find? You're going to find a $20 bill, a lipstick, just some lint. Like, you don't know, like it could be anything. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's so much easier to me, and it's become a habit now, uh, just curiosity that that I I would so much rather walk down that path than the path of jumping to conclusions. And as somebody who struggles with anxiety, that is an easy place to go. <laughs> just like yep. mm-hmm. doom and mm-hmm. problems. Yep. 
Absolutely. All of those things that you say are just incredibly powerful and they do link back to curiosity. And it's one of those things within the self-help and personal development industry that I don't think is spoken about enough Mm -hmm. in relation to the, the power that it can bring you. You know, one of the core tenets in our Life Coaching Academy that we teach new and upcoming life coaches is to remain curious about yourself and your clients as a core tenant because as soon as you lose that, um, you, you, you absolutely are not a, as good a coach. There's no question in my mind about that because you start making assumptions about people. You start saying, oh, she's a mum of three children. She doesn't have time for that. Or he's a man. He he won't feel as emotionally connected to his goals as yeah. that other client. You know, that's what we begin to do when we tap out of our curiosity. And so tapping into that um, is, oh, it's so vital for a loving and compassionate life. It's huge. It yeah. is. Um, I had Amber Ray on the podcast and she wrote a book, Choose Word, or sorry, Choose Wonder Over Worry. And we'll pop that link in the show notes. I want to ask you about, um, let's talk about fear because who doesn't struggle with fear from time to time? Mm-hmm. You teach women how to love their fears. So why would someone want to love their fears? Like what's the lesson in that? Well, I think this is very connected to em- embracing your shadow because it our fears have so much to teach us. Mm-hmm. You know, they can be a loving guide and a portal to brilliance and awareness and openness and action in so many different ways if we're prepared to go there. And so we have to connect with ourselves deeply enough, like ourselves deeply enough, love ourselves deeply enough even, to be able to go, okay, I am not going to ignore that constant fear more often than not, that's made up in my own mind. You know, we're not talking about tigers chasing you down the street. Right. We're talking about constructs of our own mind, fears that say, I'm not good enough to do that. I will fail if I do that. Uh, I will be criticised um, wretchedly if I try. Uh, I'm not as good as that as everybody else. You know, all of those sorts of things. And it comes back to going, okay, no, I'm going to stop and breathe into this. And I know that I'm safe and I'll be okay just exploring it, you know, even to begin with. And so we we have to have the courage to go there and then find out what these things are telling us. Like I know, for example, for me, when I began to address my people-pleasing and neediness after years of being fearful of looking at that stuff because of the stories that I told myself about it and myself as a result, as soon as I started to do that, this whole world and portal of sovereignty and sacred leadership began to open up for me and independence as a woman too mm. and realising that I didn't need permission from other people to do certain things that I wanted in my life, that I didn't need to be praised all the time for something to feel good and for something to be right for me. And they're, they're just two examples of that. And I would never have known those things if I hadn't decided to just, okay, I'm just going to love myself through this. I'm going to work my way through this and I'm going to look at these fears and the 
deeper meaning of what's going on underneath them. And as soon as I started to do that, portals opened up and newness opened up for me around what it meant for me to be a whole healing, you know, humane woman. It's not to say any of it's easy. Mm -hmm. It's not, but loving our fears and and giving them a check, you know, giving ourselves a chance to really look at them for what they're trying to tell us is life-changing. I've never heard it spoken about that way. And, you know, if someone said like, who's the person on your podcast that you think would talk about this? Like you would be at the top of the list. (laughs) (laughs) Probably Julie Parker, but Mm -hmm. I love it. It's, it's so fascinating. And I love to hear different perspectives or especially around the bigger topics that, that are just universal to people. And I just like, I want to go down a side road for a second and ask you about your people pleasing, because I'm curious it's because it sounds like you've worked on it a lot and it's been, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the main themes in your life. And were you able to find out the connection to it? If, and, and if you wouldn't mind sharing, like, yeah. where do you think it stemmed from in your life? Because I know a lot of people listening struggle with people pleasing as well. Yeah, I absolutely was able to uh, without any shadow of a doubt. And I think I probably always knew that it was there, but again, just didn't have the courage or the love for myself enough to stop and breathe into it and and look at it. Mm-hmm. But my people pleasing stemmed from a very faulty belief. And I know that a lot of women have it uh, as well. A lot of people have it that if I was just nice enough, did enough for other people, was good enough you know, helpful enough, all of those sorts of things that everybody would love me. And that that would mean that I would never have any conflict. I would never have any difficult or challenging relationships because why would I? Because everybody would love me and I would love them and everything would be okay. And this stemmed from uh, being a a child of essentially an abandoned father at a very mm-hmm. young age, my father left our family home in very sudden circumstances uh, when I was uh, four years old and my sister was one at the time. And essentially, I only saw him a handful of times, like, you know, literally less than five um, from that day on until he passed, uh, which is about 18 months ago now. And so I grew up in a very loving, strong, amazingly connected family with a single mother, but also living in an intergenerational family with grandparents. And so I had Mm -hmm. a grandfather, father figure, but there was clearly something unresolved for me that went on for many, many years about not having my dad's love and, and thinking that that was due to me. I internalized that. I blamed myself and thought, well, I wasn't a good enough girl. I wasn't a good enough daughter. Um, This then stemmed into other relationships with men. I found myself in my early 20s throughout that phase and my mid-20s as well, often in very one-sided relationships. Mm -hmm. I cared for and loved them a great deal more than they did me. Classic people-pleasing. I had issues with female friendships 
at that time as well. And so it wasn't until I recognised that this was what was going on and that it was playing out as people-pleasing in many other areas of my life when I had the courage to really look at it, um, that I was able to address it and stop it. And I, yes, I had some therapy around it, but really it was about coming to the realisation of it and going, well, isn't that just ridiculous, Jill? <laughs> like, Honestly, like, let's just look at this for a second. It had nothing to do with you. You were four years old. Right. You were a child. Nothing. But you've internalised that in some way. You did. I did internalise it. And then as soon as I knew the silliness of that story, the ridiculousness of that story that I was taking on, I was able to start to break it down with lots of compassion, curiosity, love, all of that sort of stuff and go, hang on a second, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And of course, coming to the complete understanding that we can never get everybody to like us. Uh, that is impossible. And by the way, we don't want everyone to like us. I mean, some people right. out there, you just, you don't want anywhere near you. And <laughs> so <laughs> coming to that conclusion was very empowering as well. That's so interesting. And I, I'm sure that there are people listening who, who see parallels in, in your story. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I want to, I want to touch on something and because I had a similar experience and I've, I've talked to my audience about um, the pretty intense trauma therapy that I went through last year and a little bit into 2021, I ended with my therapist and I had, after many sessions with her, because we were talking about worthiness and I, and she does muscle testing too. So she can tell about these like subconscious beliefs that we have and mm -hmm. the worthiness wasn't the issue. And I could, I could, honestly tell her that I felt like even sub subconsciously, I, I have a healthy dose of worthiness. Like sure, there are times every once in a while where I get a little shaky there, but for the most part, I'm grateful that I've done enough work where I feel good about that, but there was something else. And it was sort of random. We were talking about my family of origin and I said, I don't remember what exactly it was that I said. And I started crying and I said, I just feel like I have this unconscious belief that nobody really cares about me. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, that's what it, like in my whole body was, it just was such a strange experience. But logically, like you said, I knew that was ridiculous. Like, of course, yeah. my husband and my mom and my sister and my best friend and my children, like there, there are a good amount of people that truly care about me and my well-being and all these things, but it was deeply embedded into my core, into my cells. And I say that because I, I, I find it very interesting that on a practical, logical, almost surface level, we can understand that our, our quote unquote stories are dumb, <laughs> but they're still there. Yeah, And I, I think yeah. that can be so frustrating for people. And I, the point I'm trying to make is that you can't talk your way and think your way out of that. And I know you do a lot of deeper work with your, um, with your priestess work. And uh, it took somatic therapy for me to be able to start to release that. And it was mm -hmm. difficult and uncomfortable and weird and weird. 
<laughs> emphasize that because I am not, I am skeptical <laughs> of that kind of stuff. And oh man, but it, it was rough, but it was worth it. And I just want to emphasize that to people that if they're still, if they're like, I logically know that I'm worthy and I'm worthy of love, but it's like this deep down, go find a, tra- a somatic therapist, trauma therapist. Mm. Yeah. Different things work for different people. Right. It's very, very true. And we know, of course, that we store trauma in the body. Right. And so for many of us, what the past that you're suggesting someone open themselves up to there, Andrea, is a really sound one. And it's one that often people don't necessarily think about because they think it's all about the words and the thoughts and Mm -hmm. the processes. And that can be a very, very significant part of it. But there is no question that what you're saying for some people that release through the body is the missing link. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. You've heard many of the guests here on the podcast who are licensed therapists, and you know I encourage everyone to go to therapy. I'm proud to have BetterHelp as one of our sponsors because there's so many things I love about their service. When you sign up for BetterHelp, they'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Their licensed professional counselors specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and their service is available for clients worldwide. I want you to start living a happier and more fulfilling life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash kickass. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash kickass. Raise your hand if you're anything like me and you've been overwhelmed with knowing what vitamins are best for you. What do I need? Where should I get it? What's in it? Is it any good? This is why I love using Care Of for vitamins. There's lots of reasons I love them. One is that they're super transparent about the research and sourcing behind each one of their products. So first thing is you go to their website and they have a holistic online quiz I mean, who doesn't love taking a quiz? It's like getting a one-on-one consultation with a nutritionist without leaving your house. And your recommendations come in a daily, individually wrapped packet that is perfect for getting back into or starting a routine. They're super cute. They have your name on it. They're adorable. There are small, impactful ways to be more sustainable every day. Switching from bulky bottles to care of compostable vitamin packs is a simple way to practice a more eco-friendly mindset at home or on the go. For 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code KICKASS50 in the coupon code. That is 50% off your first order of Care Of. Just go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code KICKASS50. And thank you for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. Well, I want to shift over and talk about your book, which is called Priestess, Ancient Spiritual Wisdom for Modern Sacred Women. And I know there are various topics in there, and I would love for you to talk to us about sacred leadership. 
Well, this is such a core tenant of the book because essentially I consider to be a, a priestess to be a, a modern spiritual sacred leader. Mm-hmm. She is somebody that holds deep space for other people more often than not other women. Mm-hmm. And in particular, that space is there to help someone see their own divinity, see their own light and beauty and allow them to be able to create the life that on a spiritual path is most aligned for them, which of course looks different for all of us. And so when I think about sacred leadership, Andrea, I just, this is a topic that is just lighting me up so deeply right now because I feel as though it doesn't take a lot to look around the world and realise that the type of leadership that we almost are being force-fed constantly is very much not within the sacred realms. It's very white, it's male, it's hierarchical, it's patriarchally infused, it's top-down, and it does very little to really see people and children and animals and the environment as interconnected, vital, sacred beings that contribute so deeply to our way of life. And so anything that breaks down those paradigms and really uplifts sacred leaders that are all about, in particular, seeing how their their thoughts and actions impact their lives and Mm -hmm. the lives of other people is absolutely key here. It's about how do I make sure that every decision that I make as a parent, as a, a partner, as a leader, as a business owner, if we are one, how can I make sure that that has a positive impact on people closest to me and the wider world as much as I can? And if people keep those thoughts forefront to their mind and really thinking about those things, then they're absolutely beginning to step into a sacred leadership space. And boy, do we need that right now. I think it's so beautiful how you how you talked about that. I was taking notes because I was like, oh, I love all these words that you're using around leadership. And, and I, I don't want people to think that, you know, oh, you have to be an entrepreneur or have a podcast or a blog or a large social media following to be a leader. You are leaders Mm -hmm. in your homes, in your communities, Mm -hmm. at your job. Those of you who are mothers, like I think that personally, all the women in my community are leaders, whether they know it or not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whether they identify as that or not. I'm like, I'm just going to put that label on you. No, I'm kidding. But I just, I do think that that leadership is so important. And I'm obsessed with uh, Brene Brown when she talks about leadership. And I've mentioned this in another podcast episode she did. um, I think it was in her interview with with Joe Biden, like even before the election, but that's, that wasn't the, the greatest part about it, but she was talking about power. I don't know if you caught it, Julie, but there's a PDF that you can Google. If you just Google, um, Brene Brown power, power over versus power within. And she okay. gives such great examples of leadership and power over versus power within. And it's such a huge contrast. And I also mm. love that you brought up how, I think 
especially when we're talking about if you kind of shrink it down a little bit into our industry and and the work that we do in women's empowerment and it is like you said it's it's very white it's very um there's a certain kind of image of what it needs to look like and there are some examples of it not being done well and you and i chatted before we started recording and like, should we talk about this? Should we not talk about this? <laughs> Just be really mm-hmm. candid. Um, as we're recording this, it, this will come out a few weeks afterwards, but uh, Rachel Hollis, for those of you that aren't familiar with her, she is um, a very well-known author and speaker and um, entrepreneur in the wellness space. And her first self-help book exploded, sold millions of copies and she messed up, not for the first time online. And talk to me about how, and and this is not to bash her at all. Like that's not what we're gonna do. Um, everyone's human. Everyone makes mistakes. But I would love for us to talk about that and how it relates to sacred leadership, in your opinion. Yeah. Well, thank you for qualifying that, Andrea, because Rachel. And uh, the example of her behaviour, which is unfolding right now, is just one of many women. uh, In particular, I'm going to call it white women uh, in this space of the personal development, wellness, spiritual uh, industries that has exhibited harmful and hurtful behaviour before. And it won't be the last example. There will be many more to come um and which is a shame but i think we know from past experience that it's likely to continue in many ways because for some people the the past takes longer to get and i guess one of the things that we're seeing unfold here is that uh an example of not taking responsibility for one's own actions mm-hmm and behaviours and the impact that those actions and behaviours have had and are having and how hurtful they are. This is something that sacred leaders do not do. When they screw up, when they make a mistake, when they do something wrong, when they cause harm, which let's face it, all of us have done before, Mm-hmm. Right, none. Of I us call are it perfect. stepping in shit. You you say right. it better than okay. I do. Okay, <laughs> okay, but we have all done this. We've I have done this shit. before. Mm-hmm. I have been called out. I have been called Same. in, and I am sure that I will be again. This is not personal. It is just simply the very large example that many of us are witnessing unfold right now. And sacred leaders when these things happen, do not blame anyone else. They do not deflect. They do not throw other people under the bus. They do not try and minimise it. And this is, we're seeing all of the above, Mm -hmm. A, B, C, D, and probably a lot more. If you want to be a sacred leader, and really take responsibility for the impact that you have in life, you will own everything that you do. And this comes right back to the shadow stuff that you asked me about at the top of this interview, Andrea. That is, you are prepared to honour, look at, pull apart, love, be curious about, dissect, 
um, work on, fix, uh, look at, work your way through all aspects of yourself. Clean it You're, up. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. You're not just there for everything that someone praises you about. You're not just there in an echo chamber. You don't just surround yourself with yes folk and dive after all the hearts and the loves and the positive comments. You look at all the stuff that is also not right and in the shadow and barking at you and needing to be cared for and looked at because at an even deeper level, that's the stuff you need to look at even more because it's causing harm to right. others, which ultimately in the end is causing harm to you. Mm-hmm. That's what really amazing sacred leaders do. They're not afraid to get in, as you said, the shit. They're not afraid to get in their muck and look at this and go, I want to be better. I want to do better. I don't want to cause harm. And this is not easy work. But it is even more necessary when you have a huge platform and you are influencing people in the way that Rachel is. And let's hope that happens. I hope so too. Um, I'm always eternally optimistic, but, you know, last year you named all those things and there was also a diversion when Mm -hmm. she was called out for speaking out about you know, what is your stance around racism and Black Lives Matter? And then she decides to announce her divorce. And I just, I was so disappointed then that that she created that diversion. And this is not to say divorce, you know, divorce is terrible. I've been through one. It was one of the worst times of my life. And that woman is probably going through some stuff right now. Mm-hmm. And also life still happens and you own this huge, you have a huge community that you are responsible for. And I also want to just point to one thing. And I, I, I know you'll appreciate this and, and understand what I'm talking about, Julie, is that one of the reasons I hesitated to talk about this is because I thought to myself, maybe two white women, two privileged white women <laughs> shouldn't come and talk about, about something like this because it yep. points to exceptionalism. And that is mm-hmm. what exceptionalism is for those that don't know. Lisa Renee Hall was was on my show and I'll put that link in the show notes. I've learned so much from her. She's, yeah, she's a, a race educator. She's so fantastic. Mm-hmm. But um, it's when white people get together and they talk about things. And in this case, it's race issues and in order to look better than other white people. And um, I have to be very careful of that. I have done it before and don't want to do it. And so I just, I just want to call that out for, for what it is. And I also want to say like, this is, I want to underscore what you said, and this is largely what white women do. And I think part of the reason that just was a gut punch when I saw what Rachel's behavior was that I have done things like that before. You know, she, she posted Mm -hmm. this apology and it was the very last slide where she said something like, and I'm, I'm, I'm apologize for misquoting her, but I'll try to get it as close as I can. I should, she said, I should have listened to my gut instead of to my team. I should have um, posted sooner rather than believing them when they said it would all blow over. And I was, and I thought to myself, that is manipulative to make yourself look like the victim. And I know that because I've done it where Mm. you're, you're trying to take response, look like you're taking responsibility. Like, oh, I really am a good person. 
they were the ones that made me do it. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, and it was contemptuous. Like the video, there was just so many problems. Yeah. <laughs> and I have, I have such a value around responsibility. And I also want to underscore the part where you talked about how uncomfortable it is. And when I thought, when you were describing the work that needs to happen for her or any leader who behaves that way, my stomach started to hurt and my armpit started to tingle. That is secondhand <laughs> shame. I mm-hmm. am such an empath. My face got hot. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been in that place where it is. I'm just going to say it, it is diarrhea inducing. Like it's like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> uncomfortable. Oh. And like, of course you don't want to look at it. Like who does? Yeah. And yeah. I think I can speak for so many white people. Like we are fragile. We are not mm-hmm. used to this. And no. it's okay. I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking. <laughs> I'm like, no, oh. a, no, everything that you say is the truth. And yes, we we are fragile, and this is challenging and difficult. But it's even more reason that we it have is to go necessary. There. It is necessary. And, you know, Andrea, everything that you say about white exceptionalism is very true. And that's why I'm glad that we've spoken to the fact that neither you nor I are perfect or even exemplary or even okay in this realm. We have screwed up here before and we will do so again. I also think that these conversations are important between white people as well uh, because I just feel so deeply for black, brown, indigenous and people of colour that are constantly needing to clean up or trying to clean up the mess Mm -hmm. that is left behind uh, in circumstances such as this. And we've got to do some of the heavy lifting there too. You know, uh, we, yeah, so there is a fine line between all of this and you're right, it is uncomfortable and it's difficult. But essentially, if we want to change the paradigm of leadership in the world right now, it absolutely involves looking at people that are in very influential leadership positions already and calling them to account. Mm -hmm. Now, some people get very nervous when I use language like that and think, oh, it's all about cancel culture and ripping people apart and so it's not that at all it's about saying and reflecting back to people this is harmful this is hurtful and you do not blame your team or other people when you make a mistake right if you want to be a sacred divine uplifting leader in this realm You will not do that and you will show other people that you have the courage to take full responsibility for your actions and what you will do to get better at it Um, and better at everything that this is connected to. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no harm there. There's no shame there. It might feel shameful, but there's a big difference between something feeling that way And it's stopping someone from moving forward and it actually being that. There's a big, big, big difference. There's a big difference between holding somebody accountable and shaming them, which I think has, you know, people are are confused by that. And no one's ever died from a hard conversation or Mm -hmm. looking at their shadow side and um, 
becoming a better leader. It's it's necessary. And I think we as leaders have a response. And I, I commented on on both of her her posts, and that was part of what I said. As I said, you have a responsibility to your community to to get better, to behave better and, and clean up the mess. And and I also take that particular situation personally because she represents our industry and and mm-hmm. women's empowerment specifically and and I I take personal offense <laughs> to yeah. that behavior. I mean again, everybody makes mistakes. I have screwed up royally before here on this podcast, on social media, etc. and it, it is all about cleaning up your mess and it's there is no excuse nowadays for you can google how to make a proper public apology. There are countless YouTube videos blog posts, articles, et cetera, about how to do it. It's very, it's, it's not complicated. It's uncomfortable, but it's not complicated. And and that was missed. And so I just, I appreciate your work around leadership. It's a big responsibility. I just want to say this. My friend, Sarah Dean says, there's a difference between a marketer and a leader. And so Mm -hmm. pick who you follow wisely. Oh, that is so powerful. And you're right. Andrea, and I think that this is one of the greatest areas, even though it might feel only small, that we can have an impact in. And that is to be incredibly conscious of the so-called leaders and influencers and marketers and folks on social media and elsewhere that you are allowing your eyes, your mind, your heart, your soul to view and be impacted by every day because the choices that you make in that realm influence the type of person that you become. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Thank you for, for being so eloquent and, and kind around that. And is there anything that you wanted to circle back to that you feel like you want to say before we, we close it down and also where can people find more of you? Oh, look, you know, I just feel called to say that there is a sacred leader inside all of us and we need that leader to come out so desperately right now for the the love, the compassion, the sacredness that we need in the world um, to uplift us and keep us moving forward in incredible ways and for all our children and children's children after us. We need a new paradigm, a new way here in so many different ways. And that starts with all of us. So thank you so much for having me on, Andrew. I really appreciate it. And people can find me at juliesuzanneparker.com. Julie Suzanne Parker, that link will be in the show notes as well as your, your Instagram handles. And thank you so much for being here. You are a delight always. <laughs> and everyone, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate and I'm so grateful that you choose to spend it with me and my guests. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye everyone. <laughs> <laughs>